Hi, and welcome to Women of the World podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of talking to Harriet, a travel journalist from Kenya who will shed some light on how it is traveling around her country as not only a female solo traveler, but also as a local journalist. We talk about tourism in Kenya, what advice she can give to solo female travelers who wants to go there, what some of the biggest challenges she has faced as a woman of color in the traveling industry, and also why she thinks there needs to be more local narratives. We also speak a bit about how people perceive local female solo travelers and their attitudes towards it. It's such an interesting conversation that I think needs to be had, and I'm so glad that I got to do it with Harriet. So without further ado, let's start the show. All right. Hi, Harriet. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm okay. Good. I'm so excited to have you as my guest. Mm-hmm. Me too. I'm excited to be your guest. In fact, when you told me that I'd be your guest, I, will, I was like, oh, <laughs> me? <laughs> of course, of course. Because we've, uh, we've just been chatting on Instagram, you know, yeah. getting to know each other, but... yeah. Exactly, but I like I saw your your Instagram and I was so fascinated with it. So that's why I really oh, wanted no. to have you as a as a guest. So that's maybe nice. you can tell us, yeah. So maybe you can tell us a bit about yourself and where you're from, what you do, and also you're a travel journalist. So I would love to hear more about that. So now my name is Harriet Owala, Harriet Akini Owala. And my other byline is Harriet James. That that name has a long history. Like I, I could, uh, if I tell you how I got to that name, it's it's really funny. But I use it more because it's my byline in the newspaper. I'm a journalist, so yeah. I um so in I'm Kenyan. Kenya is a country in Africa, so it's a uh, it's towards, is it west or east? Yeah, no, it's in the eastern side of Africa. And uh, like you said, I'm a travel journalist. Though I write other feature stories like in health, in uh, in entertainment and all, but I mostly am known for travel and conservation, which is my passion, really, because um, actually I landed on being a travel journalist by mistake, I didn't like grow up like as a child wanting to be a journalist and all. You know, I I wanted to be a doctor. <laughs> like really? everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, in our country, we usually like have uh, like uh, our system of education is 844. So eight years in primary school, four years in high school and four years in campus. Uh, but then in my high school, you need to have like specific points before they can admit you to do medicine, which I didn't like manage to make it. I missed by a few points. Very disappointing. So I had to go to campus and study. I studied politics actually and sociology. So, and then after high school, you know, in third world countries, the issue with jobs and, uh, you know, became really tricky finding a job. 
So I found myself writing. I, I used to love writing when I was younger because my mom is a teacher. So she used to make me write and she would like mark my compositions and make me, you know, know when I'm when my writing is good and when I need improvement. So that's how I started writing. Actually, I used to hate being a journalist because I always found them like to be these nosy, curious people. So, so, but I ended up being one and I'm very nosy. A journalist yeah. are needed. So I'm happy that, uh, that it's you. Yeah. So, so, so how did you, uh, like, how did you even get interested in the whole, um, like traveling? So now, tra- hey, I now getting, I'm getting there now. So, so my auntie had a small tours and travel company. So I decided to just help her out while I'm looking for a job. I knew probably I'd be working in an NGO, you know, all that stuff. Because I loved, I love history. I love politics. I love social work and all. But it didn't, like, it didn't end up that way. So uh, after I helped her, I there was this time there was an advertisement to the uh, a magazine wanted some writers. So I said, let me just apply, and then I'll see how this one goes. So when I applied, they actually took me in. I was shocked. <laughs> I was shocked. So when they took me in, there was this one time. Um, our magazine was chosen by the tourism board. Uh, of our country to um they needed writers to just write about the romantic destinations the the company i was working for was a wedding uh a wedding magazine a wedding company a wedding media house yes that's the word a wedding media house so we produced like tv shows on reality shows on weddings and then we had a wedding magazine so sometimes i'd write uh scripts for the wedding show and also i'd uh sometimes write articles stories from the from the uh scripts to the magazine so this one time uh so the tourism board uh, uh so being that I was the writer of the media house I was chosen and I remember being in that trip and going like uh I really want to do this all my life just to travel and write at that time I didn't even know there was anything like travel journalism i didn't know anything of that sort all i knew was i wanted to write in the papers and i wanted to just write you know so in that trip there was uh, i met this uh, this man who actually is up to date he's still my mentor I, he's like the fa- my father in all this writing because he's the one who trained me to write and as we chatted along so i asked him what he does and he said i am a travel editor and i was like at that time i just felt like a light bulb like i was just glowing everyone was like the, i must I, you must accept me as a writer you like i don't know how but i really want to do this all my life even if they don't pay me just let me have an opportunity to just write to explore this uh writing gift and so that's how I started writing he just said let's start with this trip and ever since uh, that was in 2016 up to now so 
I had to change my name because I was still under the other media house. So that's how the name Harriet James started. Because now my boss couldn't know that, you know, that it was me writing. If she saw Harriet James, she would just think probably it's a white guy, you know, writing all these travel columns in a newspaper, not her employee. Yeah, so so I quit that. Yeah, my real name is Harriet Akinyi Owala. So Akinyi means I was born in the morning, very early in the morning at six. I think I was born um, really early, like around six as well. <laughs> oh, so if you are in our country, so I'm, I'm Luo. There is a tribe called Luo. So mm-hmm. they are the ones who live by the lake. So if you are here, your name will be Akinyi as well. That's beautiful. Mm. I love that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So regarding like your country, Kenya, can you tell us a bit about your own experience and uh, your own experience traveling around uh, Kenya? Traveling around Kenya has been a wonderful experience. For me, it has been so eye-opening seeing the beauty first. You know, before we start with all the negatives, Kenya is such a beautiful country. I Every time I think I know my country, I get to hear or discover something new. Sometimes it's it might even be a place where I've been to. You know, when I come back after some time, there's something different about it. So yeah. I, I don't, you know, the, I don't know if it's just me. Or you can stay for some for, for like for a while before going to a place, and then when you come back, you find something different or some you know there's always something different, and there's a variety of things to do. You know, if you love wildlife, there are parks everywhere, there are conservancies with animals. If you love the beach, you have the beach in the by the lake, and also we have a beach, the Indian Ocean, at the coast. We have adventures, we have sports. You know, Kenya is so beautiful. We have hikes, mountains, we have culture, you know, we have so many things um, that you can do in our country that, you you know, yeah. Mm. So for me, it has been a beautiful experience apart from now as a travel writer, I try as much as possible to, you know, remove that stereotype of, it's only like travel is meant for white people, you know, like white, like black people cannot share their stories about their country. That is only white people who can do that. So I try as much as possible to be amongst, you know, the, the few many travel journalists who are actually just writing about their countries, you know, trying to change the tourism sector, you know, trying to highlight issues, you know, such stuff. That's why I became a journalist and not a... There's a difference between a journalist and probably just someone who, you know, just... blogger? Blogger or, Mm -hmm. you know, a journalist actually articulates issues, you know. They're more into bringing out the story, you know, than than just, uh, you know, going and taking photos without giving it thought, you know, such, such stuff. But not all bloggers do that, you know, but they're, I would say socialite. Socialite is the word, not bloggers. 
because there are some serious people who are doing real content. But a socialite is someone who just goes to places, takes photos without taking thought, you know, without, you know, highlighting issues, without, you know, desiring to bring probably better um, gains or I don't know. I, I yeah. think you're getting my my yeah, view on that. I do. Yeah. And mm. I also wanted to ask you, like, do you like how do you feel like Kenya is represented um, by tourists? So it, it depends which tourists. So of course there are there are Asians, there are there are whites from Europe, there are other people from you know the US. Every every I, I realize that every continent has its own perspective on what Kenya is all about, you know. And there are places probably where uh, whites, white people love to go to and they have probably a different experience on it. So from that point of view, they would say Kenya is a beautiful country. Of course, when they come here, it's beautiful. They love going to... Majority of white people love game drives a lot, you know. And probably they might go down the coast a bit. Some might decide to hike, uh, to climb Mount Kenya. We have uh, the second highest, is it? Uh, no, the second highest mountain in Africa is in our country. It's Mount Kenya. I didn't know that, actually. Mm. So the, people love hiking that. Apart from those who travel, go down to Tanzania to, to climb Mount, Ke- Mount Kilimanjaro, there are those who love climbing a mountain. So there's that variety, and that's why they love they love coming to our country because of that variety. I'll say that. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And um, so let's talk about safety, for example, because mm-hmm. I feel like traveling in Africa in general, like there's not a lot mm-hmm. of um, people who do that if you compare it to mm-hmm. like Southeast Asia, for example. So there's yeah. not that much information perhaps about like how it is yes. traveling in um, in Kenya, for example. So what mm-hmm. would be your take on, like if, if I came to you as a, a solo female traveler who was, who was looking for advice mm-hmm. on, you know, how it is traveling in Kenya, what would you tell me? So let's, if you come to Kenya, of course, as a solo female traveler, like any other country, of course, safety is number one. As much as it's safe, you know, it's always nice to take precautions. You know, you can't, um, you you need to, uh, okay, number one, you need to know where you're going. You know, you need to probably research on our country first. You need to research on ex- uh, exactly, because uh, you can't just come and then, you know, you don't know where you're going. You don't know. You know, you, you need to have your bearing, you know, first. Where are you going to? Let's say if you're going to the coast, you need to have, because every single place, like if, you, if you're if you going uh, for, like if you, if you need, uh, let me start again. Yeah. So <laughs> let, you need to get your bearing. <laughs> you need to get your bearing. As a solo traveler, I find that very important, particularly when I'm going to a foreign country knowing where you're going is important because you if you don't know where you're going you, you don't know what to carry number one 
you don't know the security level number two, you know, you need to at least have a local. For me, uh, when I'm traveling as a solo uh, traveler, I always ensure I have a local because the local will help you negotiate prices. You know, when someone sees you as a foreigner, you know, of course, the first thing in most, I've seen this in in most countries, foreigners tend to be overcharged, like, you know, in things. That's so, very true. <laughs> yeah. So, um, one of the thing, one one way how I hack that is having a local. Even in Kenya, like if I travel like from let's say from the coast to even the north, I'll find that if I go there and people and it's it's in my country. If I go there and find and people realize that I'm not like one of them, they'll tend to you know overcharge you. They'll have all those things, you know. But if you have a local, it's easier to negotiate. It's easier. It's safer even. They will tell you probably what time you need to leave, what 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 street not to cross as a foreigner, what to carry, what not to carry, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the number one secret. That's the number one advice I always tell people. Like always ensure that you have local, whether. That's why it's safer to have to either do coach if you're it's coach surfing right or yeah. or and B or a hotel if you have money for hotel as well at least the managers the staff can help you get around you know and no staff and B the the host can help you out if you're stuck yeah so that's number one right mm-hmm. is it making sense am I it makes total sense. No, no, no. It yeah, all right. So that's that's number one. So if you're coming to Kenya, just make sure you have a local who can help you. Uh, yeah. uh, know the timing, know the weather as well, because sometimes we have, um, sometimes we ha- only have like rainy seasons and si- and is it summer or sunny? Like we just have either sun or rain or yeah. cold season. And our cold season, we don't have like snow and stuff. <laughs> so it's important also to know. <laughs> yes, it's important also to know whether it's a cold season in Kenya or it's hot because that will inform what type of clothing you come with. You know, you don't want to come here and probably <laughs> you <laughs> you just have hot pants and you don't have <laughs> and you find it so cold. <laughs> Yeah. And you don't have any warm clothing, you know. You just yeah. have to probably. And uh, normally our our the our season for long rains is usually between March and May. So and then in from June to August or September, there it's usually cold. So with the climate change, sometimes it changes, but around that time, you can just you know around that time it's usually cold. Then we have short rains from November, you know. Then we have sun from Jan- so January is usually it's January is a dry month in in the in terms of it's not usually busy in the tourism sector so you might actually end up getting better deals in hotels in Airbnb's because they're trying to attract customers you know so that's usually the best time January February to come to our country and you'll get the best deals if you're economic if you're very Pocket conscious <laughs> of frugal. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah. but like we all are <laughs> like we all are ah. yeah so that that's usually the best time to come because you'll save on a lot of things so, so in, in conclusion it's like mm-hmm. safety wise you have to you know it, it's always better to have a local that can help you navigate around kenya and yes just give yes. you advice on where to go and such and mm-hmm. also come prepared <laughs> yes come <laughs> prepared yes yeah. come prepared for the weather and also when you when you're coming to kenya at least learn a few swahili words like sasa you know like just yeah. you know it's it's usually nice to know one or two words uh so so that at least you it it makes um it makes you connect i would say it's but at least it helps you get around the things you know just know you know a few greetings you know how to get the basic stuff done. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I agree. You know, it, it really does make you more connected and it also shows locals mm. that, you know, like that you, you're one you know, of them. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Or I mean, at least you, you're making an effort into mm-hmm. wanting to try to communicate with them. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with you on that. Yeah. Um, so what else haven't I covered on Kenya? mode of transport yeah like as you know like safety for a woman for example yeah something that i'm all always you know like i'm traveling alone as a as a woman and that's Mm. something that i usually like that's one of the first things that i google basically like how yes safety for a woman kenya is i would say kenya is really like for nairobi it's safe like as a for, for foreigners it's safe actually Except, of course, you can't go to places at night, you know, everywhere. Like, the safety of women at night is usually, unless you have someone, there, are, of course, there are streets you can't cross if it's at night, you know. But during the day, at night, that is from probably nine, because it's dark, you know. And um, that's, I, I think for me, that's a rule everywhere. I If I don't have probably someone taking me, to probably let's say to a club or something you can't go alone at night i think for me that's too risky i have never tried that <laughs> i think i'm just maybe i'm too conservative or too careful i don't know but i've never tried doing that at night unless probably it's a something that um the hotel or the NB has recommended for me because uh, once I have the backing on a place, then, you know, I'm all, all set, all set. And of course, um, always use an Uber because Ubers, you know, at least they have a map, then you know where to go and stuff as opposed to you can try a Tamatatu when you're sure of where you're going, you know. Yeah. Like let's say you are like we have mata oh a matatu is usually a bus we call them matatus in our country so ours are usually like uh, they have this graffiti you know they usually they look so nice with their music inside so I want to go in one of those <laughs> yeah it's usually they usually look nice you should Google that and you just yeah. see how colorful they are. Except, like, uh, recently, our Minister for Transport ensured that, um, made, um, made, like, rules that they should have, all have, like, a yellow line 
but and they should have this standardized way of you know standardized look but some have just broken the rule and they're still colorful as always so that that's one one of our best adventures is hope on one mm. so yeah. taking it back to you um mm -hmm. what have been the biggest challenges of navigating around the world as not only a woman but also a woman of color wow ha that is Number one is, um, you know, being a journalist, when I travel in most instances, I'm looking for stories, you know, um, I'm looking for, you know, what makes places special or what are some of the issues that the people are facing and stuff. So being a woman of color, sometimes if you meet like probably white people or probably it's a white owned something. So while well, some are accommodative, actually, there are some who look at you like you cannot deliver our story the way our people do, you know, or they think that probably your your newspaper won't um is not their target market, you know. So for me that's a challenge because I want to cover every place, you know, I want to tell every story. But you see, if such if you have people still thinking like your your paper cannot deliver like it's only new york times or you know or uh, condi travels or those the you know the western magazine or western media they are the only people who can tell our stories or market us properly then that becomes a challenge you know and they'll say that probably they're not covered, that we don't care, but it's it's just how they look at us. They don't see us as people who can really tell their stories. Whereas we, we really, as Kenyans, we have tried, we have influencers, we have travel bloggers who have come out and really want to tell, you know, the Kenyan travel story, you know, the way, as in, the way we, we do, we do best, you know. So, so that's 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 the number one challenge for me. It's it's those eyes like that look at you and think that you cannot do it as better as a white person. And sometimes it's it's a white person who's probably just a blogger, and you you're you know you're a journalist, you know you take it to your paper. But this guy just because they're white, they'll even be like even these hotels and camps will will ensure that they've taken their picture and placed it on their social media page. Not that it bothers me, but usually I'm like, you know, you should also get excited when a black writer comes to your, your camp or your hotel or your destination, because that means that the local market will or the local people will get to know about you. And those who have probably a, a way of getting there can also access you. But I think COVID showed us that, you know, they too, that like the local are important, you know. So I hope that will change with all this COVID. Yeah. So that, also, that's... Also, I, mean, mm -hmm. I mean, you're a local. I mean, your, you know, insights, like you have so much information, so much, like you have so much knowledge yeah. to contribute with. So I'm surprised that you're not, yeah. 
it's usually a ch- it's it's usually such a challenge to to actually deal with these people uh, to, to to deal with some of them not all uh, there are just some who who actually think that it's it's not necessary it's like the locals are not their market but you see covid has taught them that as much as they they are marketing for the international market the local market actually can sustain business you know mm. so i i don't know if some of them will probably change their minds i i don't know but sometimes that that is something that is so hard to grapple with like why look down on us you know so so that's that's one of the challenges that i face and uh the other challenge is ha huh, like right now um i it's 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 just the the funds you know you know doing this is not cheap you know um traveling is as much as you try as much as possible to cut costs to do all all that but it's it 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 takes money so and for some of us it's in um selling the content that we have that's how we we get money or probably have engaging in other activities that actually generate money and you're able to do that so that too is a challenge yeah it can be a challenge because you want to do so much but you know you are restricted yeah, to this much yeah 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 so so and and then two and then other other another reason can also be access to some of these places you know yeah you so mean like we, it's difficult to access these places sometimes or? it is like like access in the sense of probably the transport system you know that too is a challenge and you you have to probably go like before you get there that also like it now when you get to the money bit that's where also money gets in because if the place probably the roads are inaccessible you probably need uh to go with a four wheel drive you know you, you can't just go like with you can say i'm going there by public transport and getting to this place you know because tra- public transport of course is the cheapest means but if you have to hire private means to get there that means you have to dig in you know deeper into your pockets you know to get to these places so yeah so so that's that's a challenge as well yeah, yeah ac- according to big me challenges yeah mm. yeah yeah and i was thinking you know we were talking a bit about like the white gaze and that mm-hmm. you know a lot of tourists that come to kenya are white tourists yes. or travelers mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and like myself as an outsider like i've never been to kenya Mm-hmm. but i've done that like, you're you know, coming you're coming i'm coming that's for sure <laughs> but, but someone who's done like research about you know traveling in africa in general like mm-hmm. most of the blogs or articles that i see are written by you know white travelers mm-hmm. oftentimes um traveling is seen through the eyes of the white man and Yeah like what's your you know opinion about this and how do you think it affects tourism in Kenya or does it have an effect at all Well uh, really began with the west for us they were the ones who 
used to have this game drives, you know. So when we got like independence and our parents started working, much of the effort was for like all the money that they got was for to raise kids. So it's just recently that, um, and if we traveled, it was during Christmas or Easter, and that was to go, you know, to our rural areas. It wasn't so much into like the travel of going for a holiday and stuff. So it's only recently that through such awareness, like through, um, uh, like through probably reading this, uh, the magazines that people now become aware of, oh, there's a coast or there's uh, the other places to tour and stuff. And that really, um, that just having white people write the stories, like write the experiences about our country affected us in, is in a way that people think like during that time, right now is when that notion through sensitization, you know, and watching other people travel, that notion that it's only the white man who does holiday, who travels, you know. And that notion also has affected hotels in that everything is just designed to cater for white people. You know, we have, why we, for me, when I get to a hotel, I, I, I hate eating chicken with my, with forks and knives, you know. I like just eating it with my hands because our culture, you know, in our culture, we just eat with our hands. We eat, we have, um, we have veggies and then we have something called ugali. I don't know if you, you know it. It's usually a mixture of uh, maize flour and water, and you 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 like stir it into a like a thick, uh, not paste, but a thick. Uh, how do you call it? Uh, um, mixed. Is sure. it mixture or what? Like it's it's not like porridge, but a firm. Like a thick. Um, yeah, I think I think I know what you mean. Yeah, I even I want to say, but I don't know what that is. Is it a mixture? I don't know. I, I, yeah, let's I'm, say a mixture. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so now you can't eat that with a fork and a knife. Surely you can't. I, I. So, but you get my point. Like everything, because the white man is writing a story, or the white woman is writing a story. Everything in the tourism sector is just designed to cater every of their needs, of their tastes, what they prefer, you know, like it's only recently that even the food that hotels serve is African. Sometimes you'd go to a hotel and you hear this name and you're like, this is not Kenyan. Why am I not having Kenyan food on my table? You know, why am I not having, no, I, I don't like doing that. That's just for white people. Why are you? forcing and cause me to experience that and I hate it, you know. So they 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 haven't taken time because of that narrative, they haven't taken time to know what uh, a Kenyan traveler wants in a hotel and probably decide, okay, when we're going we're not going when when Kenyans come, we're not going to do give them this, we're going to give them this. And it's only few hotels that actually have managed to do that, to actually research on what Kenyans want and give them. But majority just because of that narrative, you know, uh, you find that hotels, because those stories affect the industry, you know. They, 
when they tell it from their eyes, it means that they are sharing their tastes, their experiences there. And it also affects who comes in, you know. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So That's nowadays, true. when we when we as Africans write our stories, then we change our industry in the, in the sense that they're able to cater for us. They also notice that we exist, you know, and don't treat us with discrimination when they come to hotels. You know, sometimes you find that a white person is treated better than a black person, you know, Unfortunately. because of these narratives, because they're the ones telling the story. That's, that's actually the effect of them sharing our stories. But when we also stand up and have voices and we can actually complain when things are wrong, then they, they listen to our voice because writing gives you a voice. Yeah. It does. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. And any last um, advice or tips on uh, on traveling in general? Oh yeah, I didn't share about one one challenge. <laughs> uh, yeah. Nope. Yeah. I, 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 the, like traveling, like one of the challenges that I face, you know, in our country, if you're single, like I am, <laughs> and you're a woman and you're traveling, there's this no, there's this notion called uh, sponsorship like sponsor means that there's a, a a man somewhere who is financing all your trips and probably you're sleeping around with men so that they can finance all your trips so when they see you when this young man or young women see you up there traveling and having the best time in quotes you all know that if you're traveling for content, if you're traveling to do content, it's usually not uh, like honky dory the way we usually portray it on our Instagram pages. It's really work. Like <laughs> you get to a hotel and you have all these activities that you need to do in a specific time. And you have to do it like within that time. Sometimes even eating is a problem. Like, you have all this food before you, but you can't eat because you're just thinking, oh my God, I need to finish all these things. And then you also have your own work to finish. So it's usually like we, we just love, you know, posting photos and all this stuff and it looks so nice, but there's usually a lot of work behind the scenes, which people don't notice. People just think it's an easy life. It's, yeah, traveling. Yeah, it's fun traveling, but they... Uh, they don't see the work bit, you know. So now back to this sponsor business. So sponsor a sponsor in Kenya is a man, most most likely and mostly an older person, an older like uh, probably over the age of fifty or even forty, who has money, probably is married, has a wife and kids, but decides to keep you as a mistress. Or we say Mpango Akando in Kiswahili. <laughs> wow, he so, sounds like the ideal man. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. So now you being the mistress, that means that to uh, it's it's more of a transactional business in that uh, for him he takes you to all these expensive places, luxurious places, and in and 
gives you all this cash and in return you you of course you service him sexually so majority of us like as travel writers travel bloggers um who have actually managed to you know to do this business as in like the way we do and honest like doing it honestly like through your own hard work through your your own you know most of us uh battle with that perception of people thinking that they are this we are mistresses of this old ugly man ugly <laughs> good <laughs> yeah yeah no no i i i definitely agree with you it is something that many women like people perceive women as not being able to you know support themselves or yeah have and, enough and money to do certain things which is just yeah ridiculous it's ridiculous and no that also like affects stories because who can believe you like particularly men especially men men some men you just write something and they are like mm. So who is that servicing you? Uh, who are you servicing to go to these places? You know that's the first that's the first question that someone asks you and sometimes it in the past it used to like annoy me because I'm like when you, you think I can't really finance myself, you think I can't do this. You think there are no honest people out here just you know working and earning their own, you know. But but anyway you just let them think whatever they think and you move on i just wanted to say a big thank you to harriet who took the time to talk to me about her work as a travel journalist and also her experiences of traveling around her country, Kenya. It was really interesting for me, especially as I've never been in this part of the world. And honestly, I don't know too much about Kenya either. So I just wanted to say thank you so much, Harriet, for shedding some light and for just being you. I look forward to having more conversations about Kenya. <laughs>